1: Hi everyone and welcome to episode 87 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here as always with Megan Francis. And today we are going to talk about sleep deprivation. And something that I'm sure that none of you out there have none, ever experienced. No one. What? What? Moms um, losing yeah. sleep? Tired moms. Yeah. So we're going to say right up front, we're not going to solve your baby or your child or even your older child's sleep issues in this episode, um, because number one, we're not qualified to do so. Um, But also because we're going to keep this focused on moms. And there's just those times in our lives, wouldn't you agree, Megan, where sleep deprivation is kind of a reality. Yeah. and I don't mean that you shouldn't take steps or that you can't take steps to improve everybody's sleep, but, um, for example, having a newborn or when kids are sick or when you're traveling. So um, I think the context for today is how to cope and how to take care of yourself when you're just in one of those phases where you know you're going to be sleep-derived. It's just part of the reality. Yep, Absolutely. So, yeah, this um, we did actually get a listener question about this recently, which reminded me that I wrote a blog post four years ago. Almost exactly because I wrote it right before Violet was born and she turned four this past weekend. Um, And I had two little kids. And I think at the time sleep had settled into a relatively predictable thing. So I had a two and a half and a four and a half year old. And while neither of them were great baby sleepers by two and a half, I think Reed was pretty much, you know, pretty regularly sleeping through the night. So I had this like, you know, period of a few months where other than pregnancy sleep disruption, which is its own, a whole beast, special of its own. Thing. yes. but with, with my kids, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm staring down the barrel of this newborn sleep deprivation. And I think cause it was my third time around. I just remember, like, knowing what was coming and thinking, oh, yeah, (laughs) so that's when I wrote this post. And so it's called coping tips for sleep deprived moms. Um, And so that's, we're going to use kind of to guide our discussion today and um, offer some ideas for how to how to make it through when it's just part of your reality.
0: Sounds good, because I think this is going to be one of those very, very much needed um, topics. And and you know, it's it couldn't be more evergreen, right? Because right, somebody's always not somebody's sleeping. always tired. And not <laughs> if, sleeping it's, enough.
1: if it's not you anymore, I'm sure you can can remember. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we'll just jump right in. So yeah. tip number one. Um, and I'm sure we can chat on this for a while, because it's a big one is take care of yourself in every other way possible. So what I wrote about um, is that Self care is kind of a slippery slope. Like when one area of your routine or your health is compromised, it just seems like it's that much harder to take care of the rest of you. Does that make sense? Yeah, when in fact for sure. you need it you need it the most. So the tip I offered was you know, even if you have to write yourself like a daily checklist, just make sure you are drinking enough water, you know, eating as healthy as possible, especially if this is a newborn thing and you're nursing and your hormones are crazy, you know, eating, eating as much of the right stuff as possible, Um, getting some kind of physical activity, even just a walk. So all of our usual self-care checklists, if sleep, if getting enough sleep can't be checked off, then check the heck out of the rest of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think that that, that's one of those things like sleep deprivation is so insidious because it starts to like creep into every other area of your life. So it's easy to start like not eating well because you're too tired to cook. It's easy to start, you know, like not showering because <laughs> you're yes. too tired to shower. Yeah. And so when it creeps into everything else, then you just feel rotten everywhere. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. you slack
1: on those other areas, you feel more rotten. Yep. Absolutely. So that's a um, very good tip. Yeah. And just, um, on that note of self care, I mean, I think I think it's so easy to forget. Your brain is so foggy, right? When right. you're sleep deprived. So um, if it's like taking your multivitamin or your prenatal vitamin or medications, um, I mean, just the bare bones. Make yourself a checklist or have some kind of like built in routine where you know that. Because um, I just remember waking up from those nights and it almost like didn't feel like a new day was starting. It was right. like one continuous day. So it can be really hard. And especially if you're home, it can be really hard to kind of um, have the structure of a normal day. So whatever you can do to keep drinking water, eating healthy, um, taking your medications, because those will help kind of offset just that awful feeling of sleep deprivation. Let's
0: talk a little bit about physical activity, because when you're really, really tired, that's like the last thing you want to think about. Right. But it really, for me, was always one of the most helpful things. Um, And so it didn't have to be, you know like crazy I didn't have to go to a you know high impact aerobics class um yoga or a nice walk around the neighborhood stuff like that would was one of the most like when you're in that really you know I call it like a nap attack where you feel like you're just starting to fog over and there's no way there's just no way you're keeping your eyes open um if you can't at that moment indulge in a nap, but you could put a baby in a stroller and go for a walk, I have found that that really does somehow manage to kind of hit the reset button a little bit and allow allow me to power on till the end of the day often.
1: Yes, and I also think there's a mood, I mean, I'm sure, I know there's science behind this, but it can also be a mood lifter to get that just a little bit of blood flowing and um, a little bit of physical activity because we know that grumpiness and almost kind of, um, you know, not clinical depression, that's its own thing, but like a, just a malaise with being so tired. So I yeah. think the physical activity, yeah, can help kind of wake you up and give you maybe another few hours of not feeling like you're going to pass out, but also a mood boost, which is can be really important, especially if you've got a bunch of kids needing you, you yeah, know, absolutely grumpiness is part of it. And, you know, don't beat yourself up for it. But whatever you can also do to kind of keep keep your mood up. Um, so yeah.
0: And you know, the nice thing about too, like if you can, I mean, I know it's not always an option for everyone, but if there's any way you could say, make an appointment to indulge in a massage. And it's one of those Mm -hmm. things that you're able to get away and do, and you've got it on the calendar. So you know, it's not going to not happen. And you're away Mm -hmm. from your home and you're in a comfy, cozy, warmed table. Sometimes that can like double a sleep time. Yeah. Yeah. It's somehow easier to fall asleep sometimes when you're not in your own space. So oh, like yeah. Really we're gonna nap. We're gonna get into that?
1: Yeah, we're gonna talk about how hard it is to nap just yeah. on command a little later. But yeah, no, I think that's a great that's a great point.
0: Um yeah. For a little while I was um when I was going through a really stressful time and not sleeping super well. I was going to this like local day spa thing. I got a free mm-hmm. membership for a month, long story. But anyway, they had those um those red light therapy beds. So you it's okay. basically like you're just laying there and I don't really get it. It's like supposed to increase the collagen in your skin and da-da-da. So I would go in these beds and it just it feels like you're in a tanning bed, but it's not a tanning bed. Yeah. And every time I was in there, I would fall asleep, and I realized it's something because there's like you have those like light uh, light protecting mm-hmm. or eye protecting goggles on, mm-hmm. and it's loud. So it was like yes. being in a white noise machine. Yeah. For like, you know, 30 minutes. That's like heaven if you have small children. Yes. And I would zonk out every time I was in there. And then I started going all the time, but I wasn't going because of the red light. I wanted like the yeah. nap out of it. So awesome. I was going like every day because I had the free membership and I was like, I'm just going to, uh, hello, is the red light bed open? And then yeah. that one wasn't open. I didn't care what I got. I was like, is there any bed like thing that I could put <laughs> goggles on and like lay down for a little while? And every time I'd fall asleep. So sometimes you're like, you really, I don't know. The, yeah. There's the feel good aspect, but there's also that getting out of your usual yep. environment makes it a little easier to catch those little catnaps.
1: And I would, um, I would extend that to maintain your, if you are someone who, you know, has a hair appointment every three months or gets your teeth cleaned every six months, you know, maintain those kind of self-care appointments. I mean, we've talked on other episodes about the importance of, you know, all of your regular checkups and you know, that that is a part of self-care is staying on top of your own health and wellness. But, um, maybe you no, know, there's not a direct link to sleep deprivation, but I just think that in general, keeping a your, your health and wellness as a priority can offset, we know, we know what sleep deprivation does to your overall health. It's not a good thing uh, for a long period of time. So given that we're in a season where we're not sleeping, kind of boost everything else up in priority. Um, yep, just, just absolutely. All right. So tip number two um, is get strategic with your co-parent. And what I meant by that is if you are a two parent um, or two partner household, um, I don't necessarily believe that nighttime like parenting, especially of a newborn or new baby has to be shared equally. I think that's a very personal decision, but I, I would recommend getting on the same page and kind of finding out like the the system that works for you, because there can be a lot of grumpy, like shoving the person next to you in the night saying, Oh, it's your turn. Um, And that can create a lot of resentment over time. Um, And so I'll just share what worked for us. But the reason it worked for us is because it kind of followed our own energy patterns and when we were most tired and not tired. So it's not, I mean, anything can work, but I would recommend when you're when you're awake and not in the middle of the night kind of having a conversation or a series of conversations about what the expectations are at night, so that you're not also fighting with your spouse about getting up with the baby. So, um, what worked for us is I would go to bed in the newborn days or other times when we were sleep deprived. I would go to bed as early as humanly possible, as early as seven or seven thirty mm-hmm. sometimes in the thick of it, because I can fall asleep like at any time in the evening. I can fall asleep. That's never an issue for me, and I get my best sleep. In the first few hours of the night, um, and that's still true for me. I don't go to bed at 7:30, but I always get my my deepest sleep in the first two or three hours of the night. So I would go to bed, and I would leave a newborn downstairs with Brian, whether the baby was asleep or awake. I was just off duty, and I would go to bed, and he would stay up with the baby until it was time for a feeding, like a must feed, not just like I'm a little fussy and I want right. the boob, but like <laughs> legit hungry, or until he got so tired. So sometimes he'd be able to stay down there and buy me like four hours. Sometimes maybe that maybe you know, the baby would be hungry sooner. Sometimes I'd like stumble down nurse real quick and go right back up, but he was on duty. And then he'd come to bed at like 11, maybe between 11 and 12, if he could give me that long. And the the other key thing was the baby was far from me. So, um, I had a hard time sleeping like right next to my babies. If I was, if it was like my key sleep time, cause I just would wake up all the time. So, um, And then the rest of the night was kind of me. So I was on duty pretty much the whole rest of the night. And then if it had been a really rough night where I was up like every hour, then I'd kind of shove him at maybe like four or five in the morning. And he'd be on duty for the last couple hours. So I think the reason it worked is he was not good at like springing out of bed and attending to baby's needs. He just was like, he wouldn't wake up. I'd be the one waking up anyway. I mean, I think it's a pretty common. That's so common. common. I think moms just end up getting like
0: biologically
1: tuned in
0: yes, totally. and, arm arouse quicker and you you're right it can lead to a lot of resentment because you're like why is it always me that's waking up why aren't you ever waking up so I think that that that's really really common and it also what I really like about your approach too is that it gets both parents used to putting the baby down Mm -hmm. um so that you know like if Brian was the one putting the baby down before he came to bed um for the night and you know then you guys are switching off then he's getting then, then not only is he getting used to doing that but the baby's getting used to him putting Mm her down, or him down. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, it's a win-win, because then you can both do it as well. And it's not like one of you is at the mercy of the other because only one of you is actually successfully able. Yeah. And
1: and then he learned the baby's cues, you know, he, he logged three or four hours a night. And, you know, I think he looks back on that time relatively fondly. He'd watch a bunch of TV that I wouldn't watch with him or read a book. And he kind of got that was his, you know, he was working during the day and that was really definitely his bonding time with a newborn. Um, so it worked really well for us. I do know other people who've done the thing where they straight up alternate every other night where someone goes, in the guest room with earplugs. We never did that to that extreme. I, I always kind of liked having like a warm body there in the night just so I could like, I don't know. I just didn't feel so alone, but, um, whatever works for you and you know, everybody's work schedules are different. Um, you know there are there's every there's every different possible scenario so i guess the tip is more to get on some kind get aligned with your partner and if things aren't working and you're finding a ton of resentment night after night or just feeling like you're not being supported or or you're being mean to your partner cuz i've been yeah. there too where like yeah. <laughs> yeah so um just just take the time to devise a strategy and if it doesn't work try a new strategy but yeah
0: and you know i will say we weren't that that wasn't really our strategy cuz i could never go to bed that early in those yeah. days um but I will say that John very often was the parent, like the default putting the baby to bed parent anyway, because he was just better at it. There was something about being close to me that made it hard for a baby mm-hmm. to fall asleep without actually nursing to sleep. And so if I was really, really tired and I would just be like, I can't, you know, maybe it might even just be me going to bed 20 minutes before him, Right. but if that 20 minutes took me out of the sight of baby mm-hmm. and like me away, you know, me out of the sight and and the baby out of my sight, it was easier for me to fall asleep, and it was easier for John to get the baby to sleep than it was right. for me to do that. So that was another strategy. Sometimes it, you know, it's just a matter of like tag teaming so that you can get a jump start, um, right. like a head start on sleeping, while without thinking to myself, yourself, like, is the baby gonna get back up? You know that that yeah. nervousness, yes. like, oh, I just yes. put the baby down. Is she gonna wake
1: back up or whatever? Yes. If you that's know that's not your deal, yes, exactly. That's yeah. why I had to be like completely on the other end of the house. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I, you know, I think, I don't know if you're planning on hitting this anyplace else, but like, I think one thing I also really like about your approach, Sarah, is that you really protected your sleep. I mean, you could have made the case for staying up for your me time and your, um, you know, for your time with your partner or whatever. Like you really probably, even though I know you really don't like to stay up late anyway. So yeah. <laughs> for you, there there wouldn't have been really a case to make, but I, I hear that a lot. And I think yeah. that's totally valid, but it starts to lose its validity when, the mom saying that is so exhausted, she can't even enjoy herself. I mean, at some point, a choice probably has to be made. And maybe right now, you know, maybe right now, partner time or time watching TV is a priority, but maybe it's not. And maybe you can let that go for a little while. And even just get caught up, you know, maybe just take a few months, a minute, uh, months to get caught up.
1: Yep. And I do remember kind of emerging from those times when sleep was better and it being so fun to think, oh, my gosh, we could watch a show. Right? Like, we like can I can go stay get awake. back into one of our series. And yeah. now the baby gets put to bed up in her room. You know, right. like we're not we don't actually like have a newborn companion with us for four hours in the evening. Right. I, I was never able to like put a new new baby in their bed for, they just didn't never want to stay there. So we were like holding and rocking. And so, yeah, it was always, always kind of fun to like reemerge to the land of the living. Yeah. And nothing lasts forever. You know, it's, it's,
0: it's really hard to believe that when you're in the throes of sleep deprivation, but really nothing lasts forever. So you might miss staying on top of the hottest show that you're into right now, but like, it'll be on Netflix soon enough. Yes, exactly you will catch up.
1: Um, okay. So I'm going to move on tip number three. And I'm curious, I, I'm very curious what you've found about this, especially because t- technology has come a long way since you were the uh, first a new mom. So the tip is to, um, avoid screens or pay attention to how looking at screens affects your sleep. So this is straight out of what you read from experts. Like yeah. we know that the light from our tablets and our phones messes with our, the thing that releases melatonin, um, but I actually experienced this firsthand. So when when I was nursing brand new babies, I you know those nursing sessions can be 30 minutes or whatever in the in the middle of the night. And I um, with the first, I don't actually remember with the first baby. I don't think I read anything. I just think I just sat there. But with the second baby, I actually would watch a show on the iPad. I think we had just gotten an iPad, and I really kind of enjoyed it. It kept me a little more alert, so I could you know really nurse properly. And it was like my little time And I would go right back to sleep. And for some reason with the third baby, I tried to do that. And I think I was just more wired and a little harder to relax. But um, I started noticing that I would nurse her. She'd fall back to sleep and I would have a really hard time falling asleep. So I really did start to pay attention to if you're the type that like, checks Twitter if you're up nursing a baby or, you know, and I understand why, because it's like a connection to the real world. Like, oh, somebody else is awake at this time. I'm going to check my Facebook. Um, So I don't think like there has to be any hard and fast rule because we all all our bodies are different. But I did find that looking at my phone, if I was already up with a baby, I, I had to stop doing it. I would get a magazine or like a paper book or just do something else um, because it really started to affect my ability to go back to sleep quickly. And I think the quality of my sleep. So I don't know what you've found about that.
0: Well, I have to say when I had my older three, maybe even older four, I was in my twenties mm-hmm. and like, I slept like a rock, even though I was very <laughs> alert. Like I was really alert yeah. what was going on. But the minute, like I had the baby was nursing or whatever I could fall I could fall back asleep sitting up like I was I could and so I never really woke up I never really even had the desire to look at anything yeah I never thought to myself but I also didn't have a smartphone right you know for me I didn't even I didn't have an iPad I mean for me I would have had to get my computer out right and that's really difficult and clunky to do when you're nursing a baby anyway so no I I can't say that was ever an issue for me um But I would, like, lay down and zonk out. Maybe with Clara, I think it maybe was starting to become more of a thing. Um, With Clara, it was my Kindle. I would get Mm -hmm. my Kindle out. But the night my Kindle was, like, was basically like a sleeping pill.
1: Yeah. It would put you to
0: sleep? Yeah. It would put me to sleep. I could barely ever get through more than, like, 10 pages in a book. And I would usually, the next day, not remember the last, like, two pages. Because, really, I was basically asleep. Like, laying there asleep or reading it, you know. Right. So that was never really a problem, but I co-slept. So that was a little bit different, you know, yeah. cause I wasn't, I didn't have to get out, sit up, nurse the baby, yep. put the baby back yep. down. And you know, I really didn't have to rouse. So that was a little bit different, but every now and then I do remember with Clara getting my Kindle out and kind of half-heartedly looking at it and then being like, this is dumb.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, and you, I can't, how are you, how are you now? If you woke up in the middle of the night now, for some reason, would you reach over and look at your phone mindlessly? Or if you did that, really, would it keep you awake? I really try not to. The yeah. stuff that I would look at now would probably
0: be Facebook. And honestly, it would, it would give me so much anxiety. Yeah. That, no. I, there's been times, like, that I've gotten up and, I don't know, like, just thought, just was kind of restless and I'll look at something that I think will be calming. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's the screen itself that does it to me. It's more like the content. Right, um, yes. I am a little touchier, though. You know, now my sleep isn't as deep and, like, I don't know. I don't crash as hard as I used to. So now, mm-hmm. like, I can get up. And if I wake up to go to the bathroom at four, sometimes I'm just up, and then I have yeah. to really like put myself back to sleep, and that never used yeah. to be a thing for me. So I really do try to stay away from my technology at night in general because it's not going to help. It's only yeah. I'd hurt. be
1: I'd be curious what our listeners have found about this. Um... Just because I think everybody's bodies are so different. But um if you listeners have any um opinions or if yeah. you've really noticed, really noticed a difference in how screens affect um your also your ability to fall asleep. That's when you always hear about it is don't do any screens an hour before bedtime. But just like you were saying, it doesn't some things don't apply. Like that would not apply to me because I could fall asleep I mean, I could look at Facebook and then put my phone down and fall asleep immediately in the evening. That's just how I am. But um yeah, I would love to hear from people how what people think about that. So yeah, absolutely can comment on the show. notes. all you youngins. Tell yeah. us how Things are for you. <laughs> or do you look at Twitter in the middle of the night while you're nursing? Cause I definitely did for a while. I, I just felt, yeah, I just felt like it kept me company and I was always one that did want to feel a little more alert, especially with brand, brand new babies. So mm-hmm. I felt like I needed, I don't know, like if nursing wasn't going perfectly yet or, and I, I had to change diapers in the middle of the night. I That's feel like it was early. Yeah. 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 yeah so, so it's different
0: when it's like a little tiny baby. And
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think
0: also when it's a little tiny baby, that's when I think John and I were doing more active handoff. Yeah. And then we would kind of yeah. settle into like a routine around, you know, like maybe four months where I was yeah. more actively taking on the nighttime parenting because it became right. less intense. Right. So exactly. yeah, things yeah. change. And and I have to say, if you if you have to, you know, I'm not advocating for looking at screens in the middle of the night, but really, if you have to look at something, probably just look at Instagram. It's like, <laughs> it is like the, my happy place. You know, it's, oh, totally. I don't ever see anything on Instagram that gets me all fired up and mad. There's no. nothing I have to like, there's no words I
1: have to engage with usually.
0: No, no link, no click
1: baiting. No, exactly. It's just pretty pictures. So I know, I know I'm, I'm all over it. It's my favorite. Um, okay. So moving on tip number four is, um, figure out your natural daytime rhythm and use it to your advantage. So this is something we've actually talked about on this podcast when we've talked about our own routines. Um, so I'll just be brief and then we can kind of comment on it. But, um, I think it's really great to know when what your own energy patterns, because when you're sleep deprived, they become that much more important. So in the post, and I will link to it in the show notes, I talk about how I'm a natural morning person. So even if I've had a horrible night's sleep, my best chance for feeling good and taking care of stuff is in the morning. And I'm terrible. And like the late afternoon is not a good time for me. So what I would do is I would plan outings or errands actually for the afternoon, because like we talked about with exercise it may sound counteract counterintuitive, but I would try to get us out of the house in the time of the day where I was the most kind of sleepy and grumpy, because just like we were saying, sticking around and just sort of (laughs) wallowing in your misery was not working for me. And I would just look at the clock and wait till Brian would get home or wait Mm -hmm. till I could put somebody to bed. So, um, whereas in the morning I could, I was better at home. I could kind of multitask and I just had a better mood. So I guess just knowing your, knowing your rhythms and then even if you can't get extra sleep out of them sort of planning your planning your day and planning what you need to get done, whether you're working outside the home or inside the home um, around those energy patterns.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and mine were different than yours, obviously, very different. (laughs) But um, yeah, I did the same thing. In fact, that's if I had to pick like one strategy that's been my lifesaver, as far as being a working mom working from home, having many children, blah, 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 it's been like, really recognizing when I'm up for something and when I'm not. Mm -hmm. and what times of the day am I more mentally energetic, and what times of the Mm -hmm. day am I more physically energetic, Mm -hmm. and what times of the day do I just, it's kind of a wash, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, and what times of the day do I really need that walk or that movement, and I, you know, Mm -hmm. you can read a million studies, and some will say, like, don't exercise close to bed, or blah, 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 but I, it's so, it's so individual, and Mm -hmm. I honestly do not find that um, walking or doing yoga or something like that close to bed, messes up my sleep that for me, because for me, I don't go to bed that early. So it's not going to really, I'm not going to 9pm classes, you know? Right. Um, and I'm also not doing super intense workouts. Like I'm kind of like you, like we've talked about, I'm sort of a, "Eh." yeah, (laughs) but I'll work out ish. Um, but I've never found that to be, I've found that to be more helpful than not. Uh, your miles may vary on that, you know, and for you, maybe, you know, It could be totally different. And for me also, we were going to talk about napping. I know that napping is a big hot topic issue because it's not easy always to nap. But some times of the day are probably better for you to nap if it's possible. Like, I can nap within like an hour of getting up really easily, (laughs) which is funny, right? But I can do that. And a lot of babies take morning naps. Yeah, so that's true. You know, that could be an option. Um, I'm also really good at like about a 3 or 4 p.m. nap. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I can't nap any other time of the day really. That's okay. it. Okay. And I also find that my naps have to be like twenty to thirty minutes long, or or they just make it worse. No matter yeah. how tired I am, if I take a two hour nap, I regret it. So, hard.
1: yeah, yeah. Um. No, the other thing that came into my mind as you were talking was knowing your energy patterns. I think can also help with when to be social, Um, I think for brand new moms, um, feeling alone is a big issue. Um, And I would just find myself feeling really grumpy and kind of isolated, the more tired I got. And those late afternoons were that was prime time for that. So I'd wake up, have coffee, you know, get the day going. And I'd be fine being around the house with, you know, my little kids or my new baby. Um, But it's something about that, like, it's not soon enough to look forward to dinner and I don't really want to make dinner. And I just feeling, you know, like needing adult company. So if you know those things about yourself, even with regard to just social time, um, there's nothing wrong with connecting online, of course. But I do think that, you know, getting out in the world and seeing people, if you can put those things on your calendar or know, know that you're at least going to go to the grocery store, like see other adults um, and and just, again, you know, matching that up with the your the rhythms that you know about yourself.
0: Sarah, that runs like what time do you, you you don't still go to bed super super early like what? No, 8:00, I go 9? to nine.
1: No, I go to bed at like nine thirty now. Nine thirty. Okay. What time like do you a, What time do you usually have dinner? um We eat pretty early, like six. So I was going to say, like, our
0: if I had to say, like, just pick a time out of the air, we usually eat like around six thirty. Uh-huh. But there are nights that I give myself permission to start making dinner when the kids get home from school, which is four o'clock. Yeah and serve it like at five. Now, not everyone, maybe not everyone will be there. But what I've noticed is on those days when I'm just didn't get enough sleep, or I'm grumpy or tired or low energy for whatever reason, I just can't just keep putting it off. Like, yes, it's more worth it just to make the dinner, people will figure out how to eat it early. And then if no one's hungry, like they can have a plate later. (laughs) Yeah, you just got to do what you got to do. And everyone can sit down together if everyone's available. But that doesn't mean everyone has to like, eat and be done. And there's no more food for the rest of the night. Like, There's like always leftovers or whatever. So that's another thing like that I've to that to that point of using your energy level. If you feel like this is going to be one of those days where if you wait to serve dinner till six or six thirty or seven and by the time you're making doing the dishes, you're just going to want to, you know, ring necks. Yeah, it might be worth it just to be like, you know what? Let me just get on top of this. Yeah. Early. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love that. We end up doing that sometimes on the weekends because Brian always likes to cook on the weekends and he's not very good at planning his time so he'll yeah. just like go to the store and start cooking and i'll be like um honey it's 3 15 yeah like, oh <laughs> like i guess they're having like the old-fashioned 4 30 sunday dinner that's kind of um, we do
0: that on purpose just because because yeah. we're all sitting around all day so it seems like yeah. the day has been going it seems like so much time has passed i'm like oh i'm starving yeah and then i'm like oh we're making dinner and it's you know it's gonna be served at four okay yeah. that's weird but who cares who Cares. you know have
1: a bedtime snack and yeah exactly
0: yeah yeah to do what you want it's more like a lunch dinner it's like a you could have like a late breakfast, like brunch and then a yeah. dinner.
1: Yes. You, you get to, especially if it makes you feel better about your energy and your sleep deprivation, you get to have dinner whenever you want. Um, that's funny. Okay. So ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Now we are going to talk about the old advice to sleep when the baby sleeps, which I had a really hard time doing. I just always felt like pressure. Like first of all, my baby, my new babies, my newborns were terrible. They were catnappers, not a single one of the three did like long three hour stretches of sleep during the day. Or if it, if they did, it was so unpredictable that there was never like, it was just, it was that magical one time of you know? So I just had a really hard time. They'd fall asleep or I'd put them down somewhere and then thinking, okay, now I got to take a nap quick. Lie right. down. Close your eyes rest. Um, so it just never worked for me. How about you? Were you able to uh, sleep when a baby slept? I was able, I wasn't always happy about it.
0: Um, yeah. I, I, was very much about sleep, like, like a do what I got to do kind of person. Cause it was yeah. so important to me and I really needed a lot of it. Um, I don't need as much now. I really am starting to kind of, I think, get to the age now. You know, they say the older you get, the less sleep you need. I mm-hmm. I feel like I just need less than I did then. Maybe because what I'm getting is so much better quality anyway. Right. But But also I just, I feel like I I can play a little more fast and loose with my sleep now than I could then. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think that there was definitely times I did sleep when the baby slept. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't really yeah. have a, I guess I didn't really have like an opinion about it either way or a stance. Um, I didn't have a, I didn't have a hard time doing it though. Like if it was time yeah. and I was really, 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 really tired, it wasn't that difficult for me.
1: But I just had that that feeling, like you mentioned earlier, where you're not sure when they're going to wake up. Yeah, so it I just do remember felt that. like I almost felt like even as tired as I was, it was hard to relax. And I do, I can take naps, but it takes me a lot longer to fall asleep for a nap than it does in the evening. So, um, so I guess in this post that we're going through, what I said instead, if sleep when the baby sleeps or if napping is hard for you, um, my version of that advice is be intentional about the time when the baby sleeps. So what I would do, and I still kind of do this when Violet, she doesn't nap all the time, but if I know she's going to give me a nap, pick one thing or two things that you know you're going to feel good about having done when, and by having done, I don't mean it has to be productive. I just mean, you know what it is that you're going to do in this nap. And it might be a 20, the baby might wake up in 25 minutes, but right. sometimes getting all the dishes done feels really, really good. Sometimes it's taking a cat nap. Sometimes it might be calling your best friend and having yeah. an adult conversation. So I would always try and pick one thing. And it was almost like, okay, now the, the clock starts now. We don't know how long this nap is going to be. So what am I going to do that going to make me feel better. My mood, yeah. my sleep, my, per, you know, myself. Um, and then after that, it's kind of bonus time. But what, what doesn't work for me is opening up my computer and looking at Facebook. Nope. Because... <laughs> that doesn't look for, for me either. <laughs> I and never that's did. your yeah. entire nap, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess instead of sleep when the baby sleeps, know what you want to do when the baby sleeps and do that thing, even if that thing is to watch trashy TV. But if that's your, if that's an intentional choice, then go for it. Because I feel like we get so few of those moments. And it can feel really yucky when it's like, Oh, the baby's up, and I didn't do anything. And again, I don't mean I don't mean anything productive. I just mean anything that I wanted to do. So
0: I I was a co sleeper, which meant I was often also a co napper, which meant I was also often catching sleep catching my own nap while the baby was nursing but not really quite asleep and then they would kind of extend that a little bit so it wasn't like great sleep but sometimes it was enough just to close my eyes and Mm -hmm. get a few minutes of just laying down another thing i did i forgot about this till just now is i took a ton of baths and i had this thing about baths where the nice thing is you're awake (laughs) so (laughs) you know if the baby wakes up you're gonna hear him or her um you know, it's going to have a finite amount of time. You're not just going to like get in the bath and come out three hours later. Most likely the water will get cold, but it was almost like the effect on me was almost the same as if I had taken a quick nap. It wasn't Mm. the same. It didn't give me that energy, but I could close my eyes and almost doze. It wasn't really, I wasn't sleeping, but it was kind of like that sensory deprivation, Mm -hmm. almost being immersed in warm water. It just was like, a rest. And I remember feeling really good. I, I remember taking like sometimes more than one bath a day.
1: With, with babies that little. Is, that is really interesting. And I think it's such a smart strategy for going back to like the self care thing we were talking about at the beginning, because it is we've talked on this show, I think about how like feeling good sensorially is a form of self care yeah. and like kind of paying attention to making your body feel good. So I think that's so smart. I don't think I ever, ever took a bath. I don't. Yeah, you're not a bath Ever. person. Well, actually, I can be a bath person in theory. I have lived in houses with not very convenient or good bathtub yeah, options. That's, like, that's been my reality for like the last six years. And I have to tell you, I really miss the bathtub, like yeah. a lot. So I, I like a bath in a nice, big, clean tub, tub, but tub, I have yeah. not had one of those in a long time. So. <laughs> no, especially if the
0: only tub you have is also the one you share with your children, because yeah, it will exactly. not be clean. It will be full of toys and
1: and you know what has happened in there. stuff.
0: And yeah, it's gross. But yeah, that was always a strategy of mine for sure. And you could also, that's something you can also do if your baby's really little. You know, you can put your baby in a bouncer and take a breath. You don't even have mm-hmm. to wait for baby to be asleep. So that might be another yeah. way for you to kind of get a little check out, mental yeah. rest, close yeah. your eyes for a minute.
1: And, I love that you know. idea. I love that idea. Um, Okay, well, that was the fifth in this actual post that we were going to go through the fifth and final tip. Um, That post is was written for the happiest home, which was the blog that you and I used to have your blog that I contributed to. Um, So we will link to that in the show notes at the momhour.com. But I have a couple more things I've thought of. And I'm sure we can um, just offer a couple more ideas for sleep deprivation. Um, the one other thing that's not in the post I wanted to talk about is caffeine. And again, we're starting to repeat ourselves here, but know your body. I, um, we, I've said this before on the show, I have a, a very extreme need for caffeine first thing in the morning, but I actually don't have very much of it. And I don't like the feeling of going back to caffeine throughout the day. It doesn't, it, it messes with I, it just doesn't sound good to me and I don't, it it might perk me up, but not in a way that feels good. You know, it's like jittery, which is so funny because I, I am so dependent on it for first thing. And I have one really strong cup of coffee, but then I, I really, it doesn't do well for me. So I see these like posts and a lot of like memes and articles about moms just pounding on me throughout the day. And that makes (laughs) me want to throw up, not like in a judgmental way. I just feel like I would throw up. Yeah, you know, that's, I
0: think it's worth reexamining your relationship with caffeine if, if, because the way I felt about it was, um, and I had a serious like Mountain Dew addiction for a while. So here's my thing now, now for the last 10 plus years, I drink a cup of tea when I first get up sometimes I'll have a second, any more than that. And I usually have the second, like an hour or two later and Mm -hmm. it's tea. It's not really that heavily caffeinated. And I actually don't even let it steep that long because I don't like it when it's super strong. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I was younger, like in my 20s, I had a serious Mountain Dew addiction to where it got to where I was drinking like two or three of those 20 ounces a day Ooh. because it was never enough, right? It was like yeah. get the first, and it's not just caffeine, it's sugar. It's like the kind of sugar that just gets right into your blood, like right away. I don't, I can't describe it. Um, it's just this really weird feeling. And yellow, I think the yellow, yeah, <laughs> that yellow is like chemically tweaked to make you, you know, to make you really, yeah. Um, really spiked up but what I noticed it would start to feel like is if I was layering that on top of sleep deprivation I would feel like a floating sleeping head attached to like a motor that was going out of control (laughs) that's the only way I could describe it it was like a balloon head yeah but like half asleep but like being yanked around a room by a Roomba like a crazy Roomba
1: that's a really excellent visual. It didn't feel good.
0: You're so right. I still felt every bit as tired. I was just function, like my body could function, but my, you know, my body was willing, but my head just didn't want to be there. I don't know. I could try to come up with other analogies. No, I think that's an
1: excellent analogy. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And I think there's ways, I mean, we know caffeine, especially for certain people more than others is highly, you know, it's highly addictive, highly, you're dependent on it. So I'm not suggesting you like cut back if that's what gets getting you through the day. But going back to self-care and paying attention to how we really feel, um, maybe just ask yourself how good, how good you really feel on the fifth cup of coffee because it's possible that it's not really helping with sleep deprivation. And if you go, if you cut back slowly, you know, little by little, you may find that there's other ways to get the energy boost without all that caffeine. Yeah, and like maybe you I, replace yeah. that cup with a
0: bath or a walk or, yes. you know, something
1: or have the one in the morning. And then, you know, the one I I have gone through times where I've had a a regular cup of coffee, like every day at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And you know, that was fine for me too. At that time, I just don't like the, the all day kind of just makes my body feel yucky and, you know, and certain people can handle it. So that's all I think just, just kind of, examining that your relationship to caffeine, um, and seeing if that's, there's also people who say that they're really sensitive. It will mess with their nighttime sleep, even if it's at like three or four in the yeah. afternoon. I, I have never found that like, even I I might even have caffeine at like four in the afternoon and I don't think it affects me, but, um, I, I know it can for some people. So. Yeah.
0: I've, I've had it like I can still have a cup of tea, like right when the kids get home from school. So like right around four o'clock, but that's kind of my cutoff. And some of it yeah. says sugar. I mean, I put sugar in my tea. So some of it's that, I mean, it's, it's not just the caffeine, but right. you know, I, I, another thing is like, if you look at it as something that you choose to enjoy rather than something you absolutely need to get through the right. day, it becomes like that little self-care ritual, which I yeah. think just makes you feel better than like, this is my fuel and I can't get through life without it. It's just a little bit different way of looking at it because yeah, if, you- if you look at it as fuel, there'll never be enough, right? Right. Yeah. Yes.
1: And you bring up a really good point about the sugar. Not that you put too much sugar in your tea, but that did make me think if if the coffee that you love or the drink that you love is also has a ton of, you know, sugar or additives or other things, it's possible to get the caffeine maybe without you know, because those things can be, could be dragging you down despite what the caffeine is doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So just, just knowing what works for your body. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention is not something that I've personally done and I'm sure you haven't either Megan, but I keep hearing about it. So I thought I'd throw it out there. And that is when you're ready, when your babies sleep and you're, Kids sleep has just gone to the point where you're ready to get professional help. That is look into some options like a sleep coach. So I keep hearing about people who've used a sleep coach, not for any kind of like a regimented, cry it out, like super strict thing, but more just to kind of educate their family on the importance of sleep and to kind of like consult with their family on a routine, a sleep routine that will benefit the whole family. So oh. I know a few people who've done this. Um, it can work like usually work over the phone or Skype with um, a professional sleep coach or someone who's certified and trained. Um, but I have heard enough people mention it now that I just wanted to throw it out there. Cause I think it's something that people are doing and I don't think it has to be like, if you're if cry it out is not what you want for your baby, but there are some families where sleep has become such an issue with kid multiple kids getting up and, You know, that that you need to call in a professional. And I think we should acknowledge that there's times in our kids' lives, whether it's like developmental delays or needing support at school or our own mental health that. Yeah, absolutely. Calling in an expert, if only for, you know, a few sessions to say, okay, tell me tell me what you're doing when your baby's crying all night. And let's look at, you know, here's some science behind it. And here's what you what you can expect developmentally. So um, I don't have any specific sleep coaches to recommend right now. But um, I would love to hear from our listeners if they've worked with one. Um, I do have a friend who's a um, social worker and family coach who does some sleep coaching, and I will link to her in the show notes. But um, I know there's a ton out there, so I would be curious if our listeners have tried that. Um, and just know that there's professionals out there. If you feel like it, your sleep has wrecked your family to the point yeah. of needing a professional, I think it's you know it's not a bad thing.
0: That that's so true, and it's like just a fresh perspective. Um, especially if you have you know like more than one child. It, sometimes when. When things just get off track, it's almost it can feel almost impossible to put it back on by yourself. It's like yes. you've got two kids who are sleeping completely different patterns and then mom and dad have different patterns and maybe the work schedules aren't jiving or whatever it is. Um, How do you make all that work? And just having like anything, you know, like anything where someone from the outside can look and say, oh, well, have you considered this or that? I think that's really smart. And it doesn't surprise me that that's becoming a thing now.
1: Yeah. And I think technology has made it a little easier where you could work with someone remotely, just like just like we work with anyone remotely. Um, But I always I remembered when I was in the thick of sleep deprivation, especially as babies got older, I had a couple of babies whose sleep did not improve after the fourth trimester (laughs) after they were three four or five months old they still slept like it was their first night home from the hospital and yeah. feeling like I just wanted another adult to like I almost felt like I was going crazy a little bit like yeah. I I actually, I think with Reed, because for him, I thought it was diet. And I was wondering, I think he had some pretty mild reflux, not the reflux that they're screaming in pain, but it was enough that he was being fed at night. And then he was kind of spitting up or having a little bit of reflux. And that was keeping him awake. And then I was feeding him more. So um, I remember writing down like how many times I got up and, and which of those times I fed him versus soothing him back to sleep. And it was like comical. It would like, it would be like 1252. 115, 205, 242. Like, I mean, and I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like, did this, is is this my life? Like, did this really happen? This is my life right now. I think just having, and then of course your, your your spouse or your partner may want to be supportive, but they may not want to analyze like, maybe it's dairy. Maybe I should cut out dairy. And then maybe now I'm going to log it tonight and see if he'll sleep. 50 minutes instead of 30. So I do feel like the sleep coach, one of the things that would be attractive is just having an adult you are paying to, um, to listen to you kind of talk through what's going on. And yeah, absolutely. I can see with kids who are having some um, night terrors or some separation anxiety or some behavioral problems, sleep can get really, it can be really confusing. Like, am I doing the right thing? They're scared. And so anybody who's trained in that. So um, I will link to my friend, Catherine, who's, she's the familycoach.com and she does all kinds of family coaching. Um, And I actually didn't know she did sleep coaching until just recently. So I'll link to her. And then if listeners have worked with a sleep coach and want to recommend, you could just leave, leave one in the comments. And obviously, you know, you know, what's best for you and your family. I, I don't think everybody needs a sleep coach. And I also think there's times when kids just don't sleep. And so I'm, I, I don't want to give the impression that, we need to run out and hire a professional for every little bad bout of sleep. But I also want to give moms permission to get help when they need yeah. help. Uh, you know, one thing I think we need to mention before we wrap up, and that's something i
0: kind of forgotten about till just now, is that it's not always about whether the you can get the kids to sleep so you can go to sleep. Sometimes even when the kids are sleeping well, mom is having a hard time mom and or dad. And um, that can be related to a lot of stuff, but anxiety is one of them. And I think I, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on this show, but I think maybe I did in one episode where I had that weird bout of anxiety when uh, William was like maybe eight months old.
1: Yeah. You did talk about it, but tell it again. Yeah. Well,
0: I just had this weird phase. It was the summer after he was born. And so he was becoming a little more independent Um, I have heard since that there is like a hormone drop that happens around that time because he was starting to like eat more solid foods and my Mm -hmm. milk supply was going down. And that it's common for like, if you're going to get kind of like almost like a second secondary Mm -hmm. um, bout of like postpartum anxiety, it could happen around that time. And I haven't, you know, talked to a professional to see how true that is, but that was something I was told. Several people mentioned that as a possibility. Mm -hmm. And I basically just went into this phase where for like a month, I thought people were breaking into my house at night. Like it was weird. I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have night fears anymore. Like I did when Mm -hmm. I was a kid, but as an adult, no. And I suddenly had this thing where I was convinced like a train was going to derail and hit my house. I was convinced um, people were breaking in. I was at one point like running around my bedroom, peeking out from behind curtains because I was so convinced like someone was breaking in and it just, I couldn't sleep until the sun came up. It was weird. Mm -hmm. And it lasted about, about a month. And now looking Mm -hmm. back, you know, gosh, that's the kind of thing maybe I... (laughs) Could have seen someone about it. Just yeah. seems like I just thought I blamed it on myself and just thought I was being paranoid or I, my imagination was running away with me or I had gotten this like weird idea in my head and couldn't let it go. And I think it was some kind of maybe, you know, life anxiety coupled with, you know, having this baby who's getting a little older and maybe mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm not spending as much time with anymore and my work schedule is ramping up. I mean, there's a lot of different things going on, but. Um, definitely that's something like looking back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been a symptom of something I might've wanted to have checked out. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just sometimes we get so in our own experience, like you don't take a step back and think like, what would someone, what would my friend tell me to do? Yeah. Or what would, you know, like somebody from the outside say, this is not normal. You need to like, Talk to somebody. So,
1: well, and don't you think too? We, we, in the through the newborn years, and you at that point had an eight month old and two older kids, so you were through several newborn phases, but we also kind of forget what good sleep is like, if you've been in the trenches for so long. um, And so the health, like the health factors of good sleep, and like you said, yeah, anxiety, um, there can be, you know, breathing, like breathing and apnea issues, like there's all kinds of things, diet can affect sleep. So it's almost like we don't know enough to pay attention to those things until we're sleeping a little bit better. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Because we haven't, we haven't remembered what good sleep is like but I think that's so true and really good to bring up and sleep is something that if you're getting yearly well checks I think it absolutely should be on the something, agenda yep. if, if you're not sleeping well and it's not because a kid is waking you up um, to right. talk to your doctor for sure
0: yep so do we cover oh. all the ground do we I solve so. everyone's sleep problems probably not sorry
1: probably not but we gave some <laughs> tips for how to deal yeah that's true um, we did that I'm curious did you sleep through the night last night
0: uh yeah I think I did too. That's I mostly too- always do these days.
1: I know. I, I mostly always do. I think Reed has a cough right now. And actually talking about nighttime anxiety, that is something that used to trigger. Because I had two babies who'd get really bad coughs at night. And it got to the point where even if a kid had a minor cough, I would hear it and then oh, just okay. like, wait to be, you know, in the steamy shower and doing the whole thing. But no, Reed has a cough. So I think I woke up and heard him coughing last night and then went right back to sleep because... It's it's just how it is when they're six and a half. Like it's not, they're not croupy and feverish. And so, yes, I think I was, I think I woke up briefly at like one 30 because he was coughing, but I never had to get up and woke up.
0: You know, it's funny. Owen has been sick, um, with like a fever, which makes him like the saddest little boy ever. And so he, last night he didn't, but he has been coming into my room and just kind of moping around by my bed and needing a little (laughs) attention, a little hugs. And, you know, so Um, one night he slept on my floor. He just wanted to be kind of close, but, um, no, last night, not. And I have to say, like, I never would have said I would be this person, but getting up so early now really has helped regulate my sleep. I have to say, so I sleep pretty well. I don't ever feel like over like I've slept too much, which I think was sometimes is also something that, you yeah. know, if you're, if you're just in bed, but you're not actually getting quality sleep, but you're just kind of dozing, I think yeah. that can make you feel worse sometimes. Yeah. So
1: are you um, still, now that you've had the radio job for a while, are you still finding pretty regular get to bed times? Or do you sometimes feel like, ah oh, I could stay up for another hour and cheat yourself at that end?
0: Um, I stay up. I kind of can judge it now. Like I can kind of tell by Because I'm usually at the station Monday through Thursday mornings and then sometimes on Friday, but not every Friday. Um, So by Thursday, I'm really starting to hit a wall. (laughs) Like that's Mm -hmm. the night I really feel like Wednesday night, I really need to get to bed at a decent time. Because otherwise the next day I'll be just kind of a zombie. But I can kind of fudge it by like an hour now. So for a while I was trying to go to bed at like 930. Right. Um, And now that I'm used to it and I fall asleep right away, I can push it back to like 1030, 11 most nights and I'm fine. Right. It's still close to seven hours. So yeah.
1: And seven yeah. good
0: hours, like seven good hours. Yep. Yeah, because now right. they like, now I'm in that routine. I just go to bed and I just fall asleep. So, yep. Yep.
1: yep. Oh, well, for those of you out there for whom seven uninterrupted hours of sleep sounds like it will never happen. It, it will. will happen. You may voluntarily sign up for a job that requires you be out of the house by 6 a.m. Yep. Um, okay well this was really fun I hope um, we've offered some good tips and everybody can check out the show notes at themomhour.com just look for episode 87 and um, I'll link to the thing the, the posts that led us through the first five tips and um, a few other things as well I'll link to in the show notes so you'll find them at themomhour.com you can always email us hello at themomhour.com or just leave a comment right on those show notes we love hearing from you
0: sleep as well as you can ladies sleep well ladies
1: we'll see you next time <laughs> Next week. Bye.